Hi, welcome back to another Stand on Guard. I'm still your host, David Creighton. Welcome again to 2024. It's going to be an exciting year. We'll be back in a few moments to tell you what Justin Trudeau has been up to since we last talked. So we are in a very precarious position in this country. We need political change, but we also need to resolve to resist Yes, as Sasha the Cat says, please ring that bell so we can beat that YouTube algorithm. Subscribe, but like the station right away so we can beat the YouTube algorithm. And when you ring the bell, you beat Trudeau's censorship. That could be the paramount story of the year. It's the one thing nobody's talking about. It's not on anybody's lips. We've all been talking about universal basic income throughout the holidays and a couple of other stories, which I'm going to get to. But nobody is talking about censorship, and that's where Trudeau is going in 2024. It's the third piece of his censorship legislation. It's going to be called the Online Safety Act. They've already got it in the UK. They're working on other projects like it in Commonwealth countries and the United States. Canada is moving ahead with this. You don't hear much talk about it, but it's going to happen in 2024. Now, I want to talk about a story that <laughs> it's comical. Yeah, let's listen to this report from an Indian news station. Trudeau, this time in Jamaica. Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau's plane has broken down once again. In fact, his plane had faced a technical snag while he was in India in September last year. After the plane fiasco that took place in India, there's been another embarrassing situation for Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. This time, the embarrassment took place in Jamaica. The Canadian Prime Minister's plane has broken down once again. His plane has now faced a technical snag. A similar snag had taken place in his plane when he was in India in September last year. Yeah, so there they go. You might recall the last time the plane couldn't take off the ground. There were reports, reports, that the plane was full of cocaine. Haven't heard anything about this one. He's back as I record this Saturday morning. He came back last night, Friday night, currently safe and sound, but they had to send a second jet down. Now, these are the Canadian Forces air, aircraft that fly the Prime Minister and VIPs, Cabinet Ministers around. And they're so well maintained that they can't seem to make a return trip to Jamaica and back. Couldn't get back from India, but <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Couldn't fly the Prime Minister back from Jamaica. They had to send a second jet down to get him. Am I surprised? No. But there's, of course, there's been a lot of controversy about this trip. Tens of thousands of dollars that you and I would spend at this Jamaican luxury resort the owner is an old friend of the family. Yes, or how many old friends of the family 
pop up in Justin Trudeau's political life and personal life. And he's also a former member of the Trudeau Foundation, or actually might be a current member of the Trudeau Foundation. But the question is, okay, so he got all of this free. That would cost you and I like $9,000 Canadian. I mean, I can't imagine, even if I had that kind of money, spending $9,000 plus dollars a night for accommodation. Yes, even if it's in Jamaica, it's the same beach, the same sunset, the same ocean a few blocks down for much less the price. But he's getting all of this apparently for nothing because it's a Trudeau Foundation board member. It's an old friend of the family. Yeah, da, 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 da. He goes on again that he's getting this all free of charge. And like, there's no problem with that. Now, what if Donald Trump, who, of course, could afford to spend $9,000 a night, $10,000 a night at a resort? What if he was getting it free for a week? What if he was getting favors like this from his friends while he was president? Do you think there would have been an outcry, an uproar from the mainstream media about how friends of Donald Trump are currying favor? What are they getting in return? Justin Trudeau can afford to stay there on his own dime. He's getting it paid for. What's he getting in return? Even if he's getting nothing in return, the perception is always there that Justin Trudeau is getting something back for this because he's getting a freebie. And he's the prime minister of Canada. He's not a private citizen. He is the prime minister of Canada, one of the more powerful people in the world. Yes, certainly. Not up there with the President of the United States, but he is, as a the leader of Canada, a very prominent personality who has a lot of power and decision-making ability. And for him to be staying at somebody's resort free of charge not only doesn't look very good, but the potential for abuse is always present. And of course we know that. And of, and, and of course, Trudeau knows that, too. But once again, he's walking away from this. So half of the story is comical. Once again, there's a, an, an under-maintained Canadian Forces jet not able to fly back. But the other part is a little ominous. Once again, Trudeau's up to his usual thing. And of course, if you haven't thought about it already... Here's Justin Trudeau escaping Canada during the worst of winter, soaking up the sun in Jamaica at a resort that maybe 0.5% of the population could afford to stay at. Does he have any cognizance of what the average Canadian experiences? The average Canadian probably couldn't even vacation this Christmas, because the money is so tight, because their mortgage payments are so high, or their rent payments are so high, or their grocery bill is so high, or they're paying so much for gas or home heating. It's more important to keep the house warm and to keep the fridge 
filled with food than it is to take off to Jamaica or Barbados or Costa Rica or anything else where it might be a little nicer at this time of year. Most Canadians had to forget about that. But Justin Trudeau never thinks of the optics, never thinks of how that makes average Canadians feel when he's living it up in luxury, as usual, because he's always on vacation. And that's the really the point. Justin Trudeau has been on vacation since he became prime minister. He spends very little time relative to most people who work at his job. And I'm going to play a clip here where he talks about how incredible he thought it was that he would show up once a week for question period and answer questions. <laughs> and if you watch question period with me, you will notice that Justin Trudeau is rarely ever in the House of Commons during question period. And he might be there for the first five minutes and he'll he's gone. And it's it's everybody else's turn. And even after that, half the cabinet ministers disappear. So you've got parliamentary secretaries standing up and answering questions. This is an interview Trudeau did just before Christmas with Terry DeMont, who was a former Montreal radio host and is apparently just enamored with Justin Trudeau. They go back decades and they're just the best of friends. And Trudeau has often said incredibly insipid, stupid, inane remarks during this interview. In the 2022 interview, he talked about his reading material, which sounded like that of a teenager. And he talked about the kind of TV shows he watches, which is, again, something maybe a 17-year-old would favor. No hard history. Nothing that really a prime minister should be attuned to. It's all sci-fi, superheroes, adventure, the sort of thing that Trudeau's mind is easily lost in because he doesn't want to grapple with reality at all. And last year's interview was quite embarrassing. This year's wasn't as embarrassing, but I want to, I've taken out two sections here I want you to listen to because I think it's quite fascinating what he says. The things that they have to do, but on the biggest things and on the really core things, like on the main thing right now, which is affordability, uh, which is housing, which is uh, the things that are really core to everything, along with a couple of big uh, international files. Uh, yes, I'm involved in huge amount of all the aspects of that. But the latest decision on fisheries or uh, the minutia of uh, an approval coming through the industry department or something, no, we have great ministers and great teams that are all about that. So you never, you never see a press conference and go, "Oh shit, why did you know? Why did they talk about that? Or why did they, why did they, they take that position?" Oh no, you, I, you, you I, give... I do that quite regularly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Ooh, yeah, we're gonna have to clean that up." <laughs> um, you know, or or say, uh, "Okay," uh, or or say, "Okay," if the minister doesn't respond to this issue clearly enough, then I'm going to have to go out the next day right. and respond to it clearly enough. And it would be better if I am just repeating what the minister already said the day before, and that sort of settles it, right. rather than me having to go in and clean up. I mean, one of the things that we did 
um, or that I decided was that every Wednesday I would take all questions in question period. Right. right. And for a while, the ministers were like, woohoo, it's a day we get to sit back and the prime minister has to take all the, all, all the questions that would be directed to me. And then one of my colleagues, because I didn't want to want to do it, pointed out to them, you shouldn't want the prime minister getting up on your files. If you have a headache that he's getting questions about and he, he's having to answer on it, then it's because you put something on his plate that you know, right. he shouldn't have to deal with. So, I mean, there's, there's this, I'm there to, to you know, respond to whatever happens because ultimately the buck stops with me. The buck stops with me. Yes, we have a Harry Truman as prime minister in Canada. <laughs> Do you believe the farcical statement that is? This is a guy who doesn't take responsibility for anything. And he has the gall to repeat that phrase made famous by Harry Truman. The buck stops with me. The buck doesn't stop with Justin Trudeau. He's rarely there. He's not making decisions. People are making decisions for him. He's rubber stamping things. He doesn't have his hands on anything. He, he does not have a grasp of what's going on. The only time he has a grasp of what's going on is when he wants to spend money, and he wants to spend money now, and he will overrule his ministers to do that because that's what he wants to do. He wants to buy the favor of Canadians. But to suggest for a moment that he's sitting in his office overseeing all of this carefully, assiduously, making sure mistakes are not made, and if mistakes are made, he's going to address them. He's going to clear up the problems. He's going to ensure there's a consistency in government. Obviously, this is all nonsense. And he spouts this stuff every year in this interview, and he does it in all of his other interviews. Except in this one, we didn't hear him say he's going to double down and punish Canadians just as much in 2024 as he did in 2023. That was a common denominator in all of his other end-of-year interviews. He promised to give us more toxicity and poison in the new year, just like he did in 2023. So that is what Justin Trudeau is, is, is talking about. And he's so proud of himself that he was willing to show up once a week and answer all the questions in question period, or at least those addressed to him. So this is a man who's not the buck stops with me person. He's a narcissistic individual who thinks he's always the center of attention. That's the difference. He thinks he's the center of attention. He thinks he's absolutely essential to the running of the government. He thinks he is the glue that keeps the bureaucracy and the government together. But he's just somebody with an inflated ego. Let's listen to another section where he goes after <laughs> those mega style conservatives that are so dangerous. And he has the gall again to suggest that he's not the extremist. Everybody else is. Cool movements out there, particularly the mega conservative movement, that is designed to amplify people's fears and not provide any real solutions to them. I mean, the, the complexity of the world right now, where 
Climate change has an economic impact and a security impact, and social programs have an economic impact and climate impact, and everything is woven in. The, the simplification and the, and the dumbing down of politics to emotional knee-jerk reactions. Excuse me. Excuse me, Trudeau. Dumbing down, knee-jerk reaction, sim- sim- oversimplifying? What do you do every day in question period? You can be asked a question about anything, and the answer always has something to do with climate change and Ukraine. You honestly think Canadians are going to buy into your theory, your premise, that climate change is an existential threat and it's going to destroy the world within a decade if we don't submit to your policies, if we don't live in caves, if we don't shut the power off, if we don't stop driving cars, if we don't stop flying aircraft, except yours, of course, so you can get the Jamaican back. But you really believe Canadians have to buy into this because that's not oversimplification. Everything going back to climate change is not oversimplification. Demanding answers somehow is oversimplification. And it's that terrible threat out there of those mega style conservatives. What the hell are you even talking about? Why would conservatives in Canada call themselves Make America Great Again? I don't think any of the conservative members of parliament are working for the greatness of the United States. They might respect what their Republican counterparts are doing somewhat. They might say, make Canada great again. But no, they're not in some sort of huge conspiracy to displace Canadian sovereignty just because they don't like you. Let's get back to this for a minute. Um, Is good to mobilize and get people outraged, but it's not good to actually be able to build the kind of consensus and solutions. The emotional register is so impactful in politics these days. So much is done on emotions. I mean, liberals, uh, you know, as reasonable centrists in general, left on sometimes, tiny bit right on other things, um, are sitting more or less where Canadians are. And most Canadians are thoughtful and reasonable about life and have their own opinions on a whole different range of things. And you know, we can usually go and reach them in a thoughtful way. Um, so we don't have to gin up big negative right. emotions. And it doesn't really work because we tend to be on the earnest side yes these are problems we can solve let's roll up our sleeves and pull together and try and do it yeah and it's it's a harder sell at a time of real anxiety that people are going right. through to say yeah you know what we're gonna we're gonna work this in a serious way and we're gonna put forward real solutions okay how fascinating so it's the liberals are the ones that are most in tune with canadians now, what this is absolute rubbish, because the liberals are the one who are completely impoverishing this country with inflationary spending, with a carbon tax that is robbing you of money, with a euthanasia program that is killing Canadians, with a censorship program that is preventing you from saying what you believe on the Internet, 
And with climate change policy, that is nothing short of insane, not to mention extremists. The liberals are the extremists. They want to outlaw the gas-powered engine by 2035. Outlaw it. Reduce it. Take it, take it off the market. So you can't buy a gas-powered car. And you can just bet they will make it impossible for you to drive a gas-powered car if you if you still own one. Because they'll put the emissions content so high or, or, or so low that you won't be able to achieve those emissions objectives. It'll be impossible to drive a gas-powered car. That's what Justin Trudeau is going to do. And he, he wants to basically phase out fossil fuels when there's no credible green energy source to replace it. You cannot run a modern society on solar power and windmills. He wants to force people to use alternative energy when they don't work, like heat pumps that are useless in Canadian winters. Crazy ideas like this. And he even wants to shut off the hydroelectricity because that's, as his idiot environment and climate change minister, Stephen Gilboa, has said repeatedly, that's what fighting climate change is all about. It's shutting off the power, shutting off the electricity, phasing out the gas-powered cars, taking your freedom away. That's what fighting climate change is all about to this government. And you can bet this is all going to implode, or perhaps it might explode, <laughs> because this is a plan for disaster, for catastrophe, and for Trudeau to suggest the people who disagree with him are the extremists, are not in tune with Canadian opinion or Canadian ideas, is not only inaccurate, it's typical egotism, typical narcissistic thinking from a juvenile. Listen to this man. He sounds like a teenager trying to explain his policies. How did he ever get into this position of power when he's incapable, totally incapable of leading this country? He is only capable of putting his ego on display. So I just wanted to show you that because that's what's been happening over the Christmas holidays. Trudeau, once again, is showing you that nobody else knows what they're doing except he and the Liberal Party. And this is absolutely crazy. I'll be back again tomorrow with some more updates on what the Liberals are doing to Canada and to you. But as I've said in the last broadcast... We are not going to sit back and take this. We are going to resolve to resist. That's not just a pat phrase. It's not just empty rhetoric. We are going to fight the liberals and their NDP coalition partners on issue after issue after issue. And the liberals are not going to get reelected on policies that are not just destroying this country, but are nothing short of bribery, such as the universal basic income. 
which we discussed last week. Thank you so much for watching today. I'm your host, David Creighton, and I'll be back again tomorrow with more of the news and the issues that you need to know. Thanks for tuning in. Goodbye for now.